That's the fear that uh, if you really, really actually knew every, every part of my life, if we, if we knew that about each other, would we still be sitting where we're sitting right now? If you have uh, hung out at K2 for any length of time, you hear me use this word all the time about being compartmentalized. Remember the, uh, the backpack deal a couple months ago, wearing the backpack and sometimes you take it off. I even got a note recently from somebody who said, I still got my backpack on. I'm like, backpack, back, good job. <laughs> but this whole thought of being compartmentalized, and if you're, if you're new to that term, here's what I mean by it. It, it actually, I think, I think it comes out of this nautical deal, and it goes all the way back to uh, the concept of like 1912. And they said one thing about the Titanic. What did they say? It was... Yeah, that just really didn't work out, did it? Because it had new technology, though. The technology was this. It's not one incredible length of hull anymore. It's, it, it's, it's, just, it's not one piece. It was compart, compartmentalized so that if there was a leak or if there was uh, some kind of trouble or damage or whatever, it could be, it could be isolated. And so now that's carried over into uh, submarines, and that gets carried over into all kinds of other applications, into buildings, into uh, big, big uh, hotels and stuff like that, and the doors get, get slammed in case there's a fire or in case of flood or something like that. And as you hear the stories of these people up here that are, are talking about, man, if you actually, if you knew what was behind my fire doors, if you knew about that particular area of my life, you, you'd, be astu- you'd be astounded. You, you, you wouldn't want to hang out with me. And yet, I, I, I think we often live life like that. We're, we're, we're living these lives where we're sm- sailing along smoothly, and, and we're going through these really nice waters and no problem. But man, if we get the wrong hit, it doesn't matter sometimes how much we compartmentalize and we trick ourselves into thinking that'll actually save our life, but it doesn't matter how, how much we actually try to protect ourselves. When you have a, a failure when it comes to integrity, you're, you're hosed. You're hosed. Your integrity goes down. You're, you're, you're no longer safe. And, and we, we take these bite-sized little pieces, right? Okay? So this is how we compartmentalize. I, I, I have this little work life over here, and this is me and my work life, and it's all safe and good and fine and everything. And then I have my home life where I'm the dad and the husband, and it's good. And then maybe you have your K2 life or your church life, and then maybe you got your social life, and then you have your sex life. You don't talk to anybody about that. And then maybe you've got your, your financial life, right? And, and that's a compartment that you totally have, and the doors get shut on that. And all these things are completely unrelated to the other ones. Because that's how it works, right? And maybe you've even got your own compartment. You've heard me talk about this. This own compartment of maybe this is where I pray. And this is where I connect with God. And I I have conversations with God. And I go to church. Maybe I do some kind of ministry. and, And that's the compartment. And over here, over here in this different place, I have my own secular compartment, this little place where... Where I go and I make money and it's a real life and you know I do the real things, it's a real world, blah, 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 blah. But here's the deal. There's no integration between all of them because if there's integration, ah, see, that's where things start breaking down. And I start losing control. And so I don't want any of these compartments to interact with one, the, uh, you know, one another. And the reason I do this is because in my heart, in, in my heart, there are conflicting values that I'm shuffling and juggling around in my mind all the time. 
You know, for instance, I, I may want to do something over here or believe something over here for this particular place, and over here, I want to believe something or do something specific over here, but I don't want the two to interact because they're conflicting values. And I think, and I actually, I think we do this. I think we trick ourselves into thinking that if I can compartmentalize my life, then everything will be okay. That if one area gets breached, I lose integrity at work. Well, good thing the people at church don't really know about that. Or, or if something happens at church, it's a good thing that really it's just not going to affect my home life too much. Or, or vice versa. All these things going, going on. I can contain it. I can shut the doors. And we're actually just kind of fooling ourselves, I think. As if we have any control over that. <laughs> And you listen to these stories up here with these, these empty chairs of people giving these, these confessions. Well, I just, it's, it's not a really big deal, right? right? It's not that huge of a deal. I just used the, the, the corporate credit card once or twice. You know, it was not that, that huge of a deal. Or, or maybe I, I just, you know, had some questionable activities on a business trip and it's all right because I was in like Pocatello. And no one goes to Pocatello or Pocatello. I don't even know how to say it, right? And it's all right, because what stays in Pocatello, you know, or happens there, right? It doesn't, doesn't come back. And so I'm all right. So I can compartmentalize that deal. And it's a good thing that none of those guys I was up there with actually know my wife or, or know my friends or actually they don't even come to church. It's all good. It's good. It's good. And it's all compartmentalized. And I think we, we think that even the small stuff is, is, is no big deal. Because everyone gets away with small stuff, Right? Who sped on the way to church today? Anybody want to be brave? Yeah. Oh, awesome. Wow. The, the, B, the B section is like sitting like banshees back there. They're like, we sped and we were late. <laughs> and we're here. All right. Let's see if anyone else is going to be brave. Ready? No one's watching. The cameras aren't on you. Any, anybody uh, downloaded legal music this week? <laughs> yeah. Two, three people. Wow, and the rest of you are, yeah, we're finding out who you are. Here's the deal. There's a big number, like gazillions of people that are downloading illegal music. Because see, if we all do it, it's all right. Like they're going to come to my house, right? It's a small thing. It's just a small breach. It's no big deal. Great. Come to church, get told about uh, illegal music. I had a a lunch with a, a friend this week, and he's like, if you're talking about that, I don't know if I can come, you know? It's a, it's a, it's a, it feels like a small thing. But at the end of the lunch, we're like, yeah, okay, well, maybe it's not so small. Or, or downloading uh, pirated movies. Is that small? Come on, come on, come on. This is BitTorrent. They wouldn't make BitTorrent and show us how to use it unless we were supposed to do that, right? And so these little small breaches, these little tiny things that happen to our life, we feel like it's not a big deal. But it's these little breaches that start to rip big holes in the hole of our integrity. And I start hiding things. And I start rationalizing things. And I start getting real quiet about certain topics. Here's what God does. He places a really big, he places a high value on integrity. Check this out on the screen. Proverbs 28, verse 6 says this, Better is the poor, better is the poor guy who walks in his integrity than he who is crooked, though he be rich. See, God says, 
I, I value, God is saying, I value integrity more than you'll ever know. God puts a higher value on, on, on taking the high road than I put on value of the stuff that I have. He says it's that important. And if we actually just take a look at the definition of integrity, <laughs> we'll see that this whole compartmentalizing thing doesn't even work out anyways. From Webster's, integrity says it's the quality or state of being complete. Next word, or undivided. Crud. Because I think integrity is intact when I start subdividing my life. But Webster says, no, it, it, it's not wholeness. Integrity is, is wholeness. Integrity is unseparated. Integrity is being unified in your character. But I think really what it is, I, I don't think maybe so much that we're hiding sometimes. I wonder if we compartmentalize more because it's a matter of obedience. Like, if I don't have the conversation with God, he'll probably just never know what's going on. And so God, I don't really want to obey you in this area. In fact, I'm just not going to even tell you that I don't want to obey you. I'm just going to pretend like it's not happening. But these five areas over here, have at it. Go for it. I'll do integrity here. But leave this one alone. In fact, if you've ever said to yourself, whatever I do in my private life, it doesn't affect my business life. If you've ever said that, or if you've ever said something like, you know, whatever I do at, at church won't affect work, or whatever I do at work, it's not going to affect my, my home life, a red flag needs to go up in your thinking because I'm willing to bet there's a breach of integrity there. So here we come to Ephesians chapter 5. We're taking this whole entire series called Living the High Life. And, 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 and living this life that's worth living, that, that God promises to us. And we're, we're walking all the way through chapter 5, and we're trying to determine, okay, so what is this life? If, if this life that God gives us is worth living, what, what, what is it then? And we're coming to week two here, which is taking the high road. See, that's part of living the high life, is that God would say, you would have integrity. That's, that's what I created you to do, is to have integrity, to have great character. But if we're compartmentalizing, it doesn't jive. If we're living with, with all this darkness and living with these secrets and hiding, we can't take the high road. Well, we can take the high road when it's easy, you know. I mean, come on, throw me a bone. I'll, I'll, I'll take the high road. Okay, I won't bit torn anymore, huh, you know, or, or, or something like that. But what about the really hard character issues? And God says, no, 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 integrity is what I want to talk about <laughs> because that's what allows you to live this life that's full. That's what, what allows you to, one of the things that allows you to, to experience all that I have for you. And so we're going to pick this up in, in chapter 5 here. Last week we did verses 1 and 2. We're going to bite off a huge chunk, and we're going to, we're going to, we're going to unfortunately kind of speed through some of it, and, and we're going to pick out the major themes. We're going to go from verse 3 all the way to 14. So I'd really encourage you actually to grab your program and, and uh, take a pen. Don't steal it, because we're talking about that in today. No, uh, have, have integrity. Uh, offer money for a pen or whatever, and, uh, and take that and just jot down some notes, because I'm hoping that there's going to be something that tomorrow morning, right, because this isn't any good if it's just today, if it's just the weekend deal. This is no good. If tomorrow morning, when you and I hit uh, our jobs and our schools and our, and our houses and all, all the relationships that we can actually glean from not what I'm telling, from what God is saying through his word, that he wants us to know about his character. Starting in verse 3, Paul actually he whips it out, and he says, listen, these are the big ones. These are the really big things that will, will compromise 
your integrity. And he just starts right off in verse 3, and here they are. Check it out on the screen. He says, let there be no sexual immorality, impurity, or greed among you. Such sins have no place among God's people. If you weren't here last week, the first two verses talked about how much God loves us and then, and then how it affects our life and how we are to be imitators of God. And so if we are loved and if we are valued and if, if, if we are prized by God, that's going to spill out of our life. That I'm going to be an imitator of God, so I'm going to start loving other people. So kind of the topic of verses 1 and 2, one of the topics there is, is great love. So right here in verse 3, Paul says, all right, let's talk about that love really quick. Don't have any sexual immorality. <laughs> it's kind of like this hard grinding shift, but here's what I think Paul is trying to say here. Last week was self-sacrificing love. Verses one and two is self-sacrificing love. And so imitate that. But Paul is cautioning us and he's saying, but don't let your love hit this downward, downhill spiral that goes straight into lust. And so he's drawing these lines here and, and straight into sexual promiscuity and filthy practices and, and, and all that stuff. And, and Paul, and I gotta remind you, Paul is talking, who's he talking to here? Church in Ephesus, right? It's a church. It's a body of Christ that he's talking about, believers. And so he's talking to them about sexual promiscuity. So the, the, the key here is that we're reading this letter years and years and years and years, 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 hundreds of years later, and we're a church reading this letter. So I think it's got something in there for us about sexual promiscuity, something that we need to know about that. And not only was it a big time or a big issue in Paul's time, I'm telling you, sexual promiscuity Sexual immorality, is it a big issue? It's huge. It's huge. So last night I'm Googling around and oh my goodness. And what I didn't want to do is just bring this whole entire page of facts because we kind of really all know the facts about what's going on with sexual immorality. But let, let's, I, I, ha, I have like three that will, real, I think, frame out this topic. Listen to this. And this is, by the way, these stats are this year, more than 70% of men, 18 to 34, more than 70% of men, 18 to 34, are, are, are typically hitting at pornographic sites every single month. Okay, that's seven out of 10 guys. That's 70% of the guys in here. And by the way, George Barna of a research Barna group, he would say, there's actually very little difference on this topic between people that are in church and people that just say, I don't want to go to church. That's disturbing. And, and, and women, it is, it, your percentage is actually going up too. 28% of women in that age category are participating. But see, we're not raising our hands now, okay? We're not, we're not you know, speeding and something. We're not raising our hands now because that's one of the compartments that we don't talk about. See, if I can compartmentalize that area and if I can keep that, you know, kind of, then my integrity is intact. And I will, I will protect that area. I'll make sure nobody knows about that. And I'll shut the door really tight on that area. Second stat, uh, approximately 47% of Christians state that pornography is a major problem in their home. Wow. Okay, so just split, split the auditorium down. You guys over here, it's a major problem. Not just like, yeah, it's kind of like a blip on the radar screen. It's a major problem. And so here's what I'm willing to bet based off of that alone. 
either, either you're, you're having issues with that. If you're a guy or a gal, you're having issues with that, more likely a guy, and you're compartmentalizing that area because you want to stay afloat. Or, or you're, you're, a, you're a woman that's married to a guy that's having that issue. Or you're a son or a daughter whose dad or mom is having that issue. Or you're a girlfriend or a boyfriend. And, and what I'm willing to bet is that this is affecting almost every family. So this year alone, the pornography industry, this is just straight off, off the polls. The pornography industry is making more money than the NFL. Uh, I wrote this down. NFL, NBA, NBC, CBS, ABC, all these, all these, all these words, and, and, and more money than all those combined. Plus, it's the number one business on the internet this year. That came out, I think, three weeks ago. Okay, so I don't want, I don't want to talk anymore about stats. Here's, here's the issue. Do we have a problem with that and with integrity? Yes, we do. Is it any different in the church than it is outside the church? It's not. That really concerns me. That should concern you. And Paul is saying, I'm concerned by that. This is a big one. Don't let your ability to love, this ability that God gave you to love, take this downward spiral into lust. Protect it. Fight for it. Don't let there be, and here's what he said, no sexual immorality, no hint. Don't even, don't even think about it. Don't let it be among you. You will lose your integrity. Your ship will not float. He goes on to say, not only sexual immorality, but he adds the word impurity. And because of the context of what we're talking about, I, I believe he's talking about sexual indul uh, indulgences, like, you know, fulfilling those indulgences. And then he adds this third word. What is it? It's greed. Okay, now this is where, this is kind of a head scratcher. Because you come to that word and you go, whoa, whoa, whoa. Okay, so these, these two are talking about kind of sexual practices or whatever. And then he throws in this greed here. And I actually had to pause and sit on that for a while. I'm like, okay, why? Why would he throw that in? It just kind of seems a little random. Feels like a different topic until you start to realize that all of these things he's mentioning here have to do with this uncontrollable, insatiable appetite for something that I'm going after. In other words, I'm willing to sacrifice whatever it takes to get either uh, sex or, or, or something like that, or pleasure, or materialism, or it doesn't matter, this unsatiable, uncontrollable appetite, I'm going for it. And Paul is saying here, he's like, do not go there. No, none, not even a hint, don't go there. Your integrity, it'll, it'll go in the tubes. Don't, don't, don't hide it, don't let it be among you, don't, don't tolerate it, don't compartmentalize it, even a little bit, Paul. No, not even a little bit, because you'll go down. It's dangerous. It will kill your integrity. I have really great news. I'm getting a dog. No. I'm getting a manly dog that um, can carry its own weight. I'm not getting a poodle. I'm not getting something small that can be in easily injured. I'm getting a dog. And uh, I've got three little girls, and I love them all. Four counting my wife, I have four women, and I'm the only male. I have grand plans of like spot welding with this dog in the garage, <laughs> you know. Can I say this? Just romping with him in the backyard, just getting to know him. And I'm dead serious. I'm dead serious about this. Like Beth and I talk about it. I'm like, so we're good on the dog. We're good on the dog. She said, yes, we're good on the dog. Now, here's the deal. I don't, it could be five years, but we're good on the dog. And I'm very, very excited. It's going to offset this testosterone that's not there balance thing. 
And if you, if you know anything about dogs, now I'm talking manly dogs, just think about manly dogs for a second here. Big dogs that can carry their own stuff. Big dogs, you know, that wear packs, go hiking. Rottweilers, German shepherds, like dobies, right? Like big dogs that, that, that are dangerous. Think about that. Now, you know how important it is for that type of dog to be trained, right? He's got to know who's boss. He has to know who's in control. Because if he doesn't, what happens? Oh, man, you're in trouble. You're in trouble. So a couple years ago, I'm out walking the girlies in their, their um, it's called a stroller. Yeah, it's like a fighter pilot position. There's two of them. And you can, uh, you can push them. I'm not sure that's what the box said. That's my own spin on it. But uh, Cobra pilot thing. And we're walking along, and I'm doing the, the, the dad walking thing. And I go down the street, and this chow busts out of this house. Come to find out, somebody in the church knows that person. They're related to him. I was like, ooh. But uh, this chow busts out of the house and starts running for me and charging. I'm like, game on. And I come around the side, and I'm standing in front. Now, this is kind of exciting. I haven't been in a fight since high school, and I've never fought a dog. But it's like the most exciting thing that's happened, like manly. I'm like, yeah. And I got, I got the, the women. And the dog comes, and I start like, yeah, go home. Come on, look at this. You know, and I'm like trying to intimidate the dog. And the dog is not moving, and he's, he's got a bead, and he's coming. And I start going, whoa, he's, okay, this could be bad. And I start yelling stuff. I don't even know I'm yelling at the dog. You know, like, yeah, go do your thing, and, and, and just trying to yell at him. And he gets like within five feet, and he stops. And he turns around, and he walks back. I'm like, that's right, that's right. <laughs> so here's the deal. Take that image for a second. That's what Paul, Paul is talking about here. He's not talking about these little tiny sins, these little tiny breaches. He's going to the big thing. Because guess what? These little tiny things become big things. And he's saying sexual immorality, impurity, this, this greed, don't let it gain control. Don't let it gain control. Don't even let it have a foothold. Don't, don't let it. You've got to train it. You've got to be strict with it. See, on the other hand, is this out of control chihuahua. Doesn't present much of a danger, does it? Stop that, right? <laughs> it's not dangerous. But see, the problem is a lot of us are allowing these, 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 um, these little tiny, oh, uh, it's just a small deal, little tiny infractions that I can compartmentalize. I can take care of that. And behind closed doors, it's growing. It's growing. And Paul says, don't do that. You need to know that those things need to be trained. They need to be controlled. They need to be put out of your life. They cannot be messed with. We're, we're going to go in a couple verses and talk about how that happens. But let's, let's read on in verse four here. So he mentions uh, a, a few things here, and Paul goes on in verse four to say this. Obscene stories, foolish talk, coarse jokes, they're not for you. Instead, let there be thankfulness to God. When I read this, I'm thinking, whoa, Paul, lighten up. I mean, do you not want to fun, have fun and, and joke around and elbow and, and have a great time? And, and I've got to believe that he does because I, I believe humor is from God. I believe that we ought to be laughing a whole lot right? Heard a great quote the other day, at least if I can get it right. You don't grow old because you, you uh, wait, you don't stop laughing because you grow old. You grow old because you stop laughing. I just believe that we need to be having great humor, but that's not what Paul is talking about here. See, he's saying well, this obscene stories and foolish talk, these, this coarse joking, it's not innocent humor. These are things that will attack your integrity. These, these, are, these are practices of your tongue that destroy 
that, that will tear down people. This is stuff that actually inflicts spiritual wounds. Don't do that. Don't do that. If you're doing that, Paul is saying, get that out of your life. Don't compartmentalize and oh, I just go out with the guys and I just... That's compartmentalizing. That is a breach of integrity. He's saying it will catch up with you. But he just doesn't say don't do it. He says replace it. Isn't that cool? It's just like, hey, just don't, don't adhere to all these rules. Actually put something in its place that will take root and develop in your heart. And what does he say? Replace it with? Thankfulness. Replace it with thankfulness. What is that? Words that, that benefit other people, that build them up, that encourage. That's taking the high road. That's building integrity in our life. We're not damaging each other. We're building each other up. There are two indications of a person's character that you can spot really, really quickly. You can use this test. Check out what people laugh at and check out what they weep at. See, it's not just the tongue that's getting you in control. It's the heart. This is a spiritual issue, not a tongue issue. He adds more caution in verse 5. You can be sure that no immoral, impure, greedy, so he's going back over the list here, will inherit the kingdom of Christ or of God. For a greedy person is really an idolater who worships the things of this world. Don't be fooled by those who try to excuse these sins. You know, they just kind of talk away. Ah, it's, it's cool. Come on. Come on. It's cool. He says, don't be fooled by that. For the, the terrible anger of God comes upon those who disobey. So don't participate in the things that people do like that. Now, if we were to kind of diagram this out and spend some real time pushing the words together and, and, and figuring out what he's saying here, he, he's, he's kind of building an equation in these verses. And he is literally saying immorality, impurity, greed, they're equaling something. They're equaling idolatry. And I find that kind of interesting because Paul is basically saying, if your desires run your life, if, if your desires actually control you, then, then tell me what your God is. Your, your God is your desire. Your God is whatever is controlling you, he's saying here. He says, if you're willing to make anything more important than God, <laughs> if you're putting something before God, then you have a kingdom issue. He says, you, you've got to be very, very careful. Your integrity will go down. Man, these are, these are big topics. Those are kind of the big ones. It'll knock you off this, this road, this high road, taking the high road. Promiscuity, greed, obscenities, coarse joking, idolatry. All things that will end up vying for control of your life and control of your heart with the hopes of compromising your integrity. And I have to tell you, real honest here, I sat down and I looked at that last night and I actually kind of got a little depressed. Because I think as Christians we like to go, oh, I mean, yeah. I mean, I don't, you know, I don't do like the really bad stuff, right? Until I start to take major inventory of my life. And I'm willing to bet <laughs> that there's no one in here that doesn't struggle with compartmentalizing. It's kind of in our sin DNA. And I was, I was real convicted last night to ask the tough question, okay, God, what is it? What are you trying to tell me? Well, here's what he's saying in verse 8. For though your hearts were once full of darkness, that's true, every single one of us, for though your, your hearts were once full of darkness, now, this is the good news, now you are full of light from the Lord. And your behavior, well, it should show it. 
If, if, if God is in, in control of your life, if you are in relationship with God, if you're saying today, I, I follow God, I, I, I follow Christ, I have given him my life, I'm in relationship with him, then my life ought to show it. Verse nine, for this light within you produces only what is good and right and true. And I would add a little bit of a so then. So then, verse 10, try to find out what pleases the Lord. Find out what's pleasing to him. Every single one of us, Paul is saying, has got this past, has got this rap sheet, if you will, of stuff that we're not proud of. See, that's why you compartmentalize. What is it that you don't want to talk about publicly? Anybody want to just come up here? (laughs) We would never do that. We wouldn't do that. What are are the things that you're not proud of? Well, that's why it's compartmentalized. Like, I don't want to talk about it. What are the things that you're scared that if if people found out? See, that's what Paul is saying. We all have had hearts full of darkness. There's all this compartmentalizing going on. But Paul is then turning a corner and saying, but here's the truth. When you are in Christ, the darkness is replaced by light. Now, that could be a real scary thing if you think about it. We'll get to that. He says the, the, the light replaces the darkness and it produces, and he runs down a list. He says it, repl- it produces good things, like maybe good habits. He says right things, which maybe are right choices that I need to start making that impact my character and create integrity in my life. It, it, it creates truth. Because after all, a breach of integrity is I'm not lining up with truth. I'm kind of making up my own truth as I go along. And so I have a breach of integrity. But he says, Christ's light exposes the area of my life that aren't congruent with his character. So I spent a lot of years um, exploring caves in southern Arizona, all the way down Mexico and all over southwestern desert. Just incredible. And I think one of my most favorite caves, I know it inside and out, man, I know almost every passage in this cave, is called Agua Caliente. And it sits out in the Sonoran Desert, right on the top of this hill, and the, and, the, and the hole is, I'm not even sure I can fit in it anymore. It's really small, and you go in there, and, and you can, you, it's just, it, it's fantastic. It's fantastic, and you get really muddy, which is actually a good thing, because it's kind of hot at times, and this mud kind of cools you down in a weird kind of way, and, and you get so much mud that you, you actually feel like you're gaining weight in there, and you're walking slower, and you have to kind of pull it off of each other. It's like fudge just all over. And, and, and you spin, Agua Caliente is like a 10 to 12 hour cave. So I, I don't actually know how long these caves are. That's how we measure them is like, yeah, it's a five hour cave, you know, six hour cave, whatever. Agua Caliente is like, like 10 to 12. Now imagine being in just pure darkness for 10 to 12 hours, all right? It, it starts messing with your mind. Your eyes just kind of don't really seem to work right. I don't know if you've ever had that experience. You do have light, but it's, it's not piercing light. It's just kind of dim light, you know, and it just kind of does the job. But at the end of the day, when you start coming close to that entrance, it's painful. It is really painful. And, we, and it's kind of like decompressing after you dive. You know, you dive down, you guys spend a lot of time coming back up. It's kind of like that when you get out of a cave, you're like, oh, man, it's like the light rays from the sun are going through all my DNA, and it's painful. And you come out, and, I, and sometimes it's fun to watch people come out because they're like, you know, and they're all covered with stuff, and you're like, son of a gun, what happened to you, you know? And, and, and you come out, and people are blinking and everything, and it's only then that you realize how ugly y'all look. <laughs> Covered with mud and just gunk, and we laugh at each other. And it's actually good to be out because you can finally breathe, and you're like, oh, it's good to be in the light. But see, when you're in the light, you're exposed, and you don't look good. 
So the first couple times doing this trip, we would, we would uh, actually put on trash bags. <laughs> we were just ding-dongs. Ding We'd put on trash bags and sit in the car and ride the 50 miles home, and our cars would be trashed. We're like, okay, that didn't work. And we started bringing extra changes of clothes, and we would change clothes, but there's mud everywhere. I mean, you're blowing your nose, and mud's coming out. It's in your ears. You get these little mud balls in your hair. It's painful. And if you don't get it off right away, you start to kind of harden up. I mean, you can still move and everything, but, but it develops like these rashes. And if you have any amount of hair, if you're like a silverback gorilla, it hurts. You're pulling off the mud. It's horrible. And so we found a stream nearby. And we would come out into the light. And that's the first stop that we would hit. We'd go straight to this stream. Now, in the Sonoran Desert, it's not glamorous. It's like six inches. We'd rip it all off and just lay there and just get all the gunk off. I think that's a little bit of what Paul's talking about. It's hard to come out into the light. It's hard to open up the doors of our compartments that we're, we're scared to, to talk about. It's hard, to, it's hard to, to face the light. It's hard to, because light illuminates. It, it separates all the colors. You, you get dimension. It starts showing the imperfections. But do you know what also light does? Is it, it helps things grow. And it exposes those imperfections which then are turned into character. And when I lay all my stuff out there before God, it's a scary deal. But thankfully, here's the key, and this is real important for this whole entire passage. Here's the key. God says, see, I want to expose all those compartments of your life. I want you to have integrity, but here's the key. I'm trustworthy because my light shines through this filter of grace. See, the reality is, God's word says there's nothing that you've done that is unforgivable. Yeah, but you don't know about my, there's nothing that you've done that God cannot give grace for. But currently, I'm stuck in this problem that nobody knows about. There's nothing that God's light doesn't touch through this filter of grace to heal, to impact your life, to allow you to have freedom to allow you to, to gain the light of his, of his grace so that you can take the high road and live in integrity. And when I allow Christ's light to come into my heart and start to expose these areas, and really what that means is actually agreeing with God about the truth. That's really what it means. Because we end up playing this cat and mouse game all the time with God. Like, oh, well, he doesn't really know. But he's been with me the whole time, hasn't he? Last time I checked. But maybe if I don't talk about it, then we'll just kind of all forget that it was there. And God says, I know it's there. Would you just tell me? Would you come clean with me and allow me to touch that area of your lack of integrity and actually build character? And I'm telling you, I know that's scary, but until we realize that it really is a matter of grace. Because I, I think we have this wrong perception that God is up there and we misinterpret that this God of light is up there and he just wants to shine his big old light into our lives so he can simply accuse us of more stuff. So I knew you'd screw up. Told you. I even wrote about it in the Bible. You screw up. But that, that is a misperception lacking grace. And the grace element says, yeah, you are going to mess up. Would you allow my light to penetrate your darkness? And build character. There's more to say, but we have to read verse 11. 
It's almost like Paul's taking one last run at it here. He says, take no part in the worthless deeds of, of evil and darkness. Instead, rebuke, expose it. Verse 12, it is, it is shameful even to talk about the things that ungodly people do in secret. Don't, don't even talk about it. He's saying, look, integrity means you're not going to even gossip about it. So maybe you don't compartmentalize, but don't talk about other people's compartments. Don't, don't, don't give sin the time of day is what Paul is saying. Why? Because actually that in turn will affect your integrity. Verse 13, but everything exposed by the light becomes visible. For it is light that makes everything visible. That's why it is said, wake up. Actually, I don't think he actually said it like that. I think he said, wake up. Wake up. Oh, sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine in you. This is not scripture. This is not a direct lift from scripture. This actually is a lift from what we think is probably an old hymn of the time, something that maybe they recited or sang. There are, uh, there are allusions to it in, 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 in the book of Isaiah, but it's not a word-for-word -word deal. So probably the church of Ephesus knew about this. And Paul is reciting this. And he's saying, wake up. In other words, you don't have to live in darkness anymore. You don't have to do it. I mean, that's why Jesus came. That's why he died on the cross. That's why he, he gave forgiveness. That's why he reconciled us to God. That's why he paid for it. So you and I don't have to hide. Yeah, but he might see my stuff. He already knows your stuff, but I might lose face. So what if it means that you get to live a life of integrity? If it means that you and I get to live, what is this series about? The high life. Get to live this life that, that God says, beyond your wildest imagination, that you get to live. If that's the life that's in store for me, God says, would you just, would you agree with me that these are issues and let me build character because I give you grace. Wake up. Rise from the dead. You're not dead if you're in Christ. Stop living like it. Stop compromising your integrity. Stop hiding out. Stop, stop compartmentalizing so I live like one person over here and I live like another person. That's not living life. That's living like a dead person. He says, wake up. Rise, shine. And by the way, it's not light that I muster up. It's not integrity that, like, okay, if I can just get my integrity deal down, maybe I can act it out. Where do I get integrity? From God, from his light through me. Wake up. Let Christ shine on you. And I just need to tell you today, no matter what you've done, no matter whatever breach you have in the whole of your life, no matter what it is that you think that, that is <laughs> unspeakable, unforgivable, there, there is no category, okay? Paul is pointing out here, if you want to take the high role, if you want to live integrity, you're not captive when you come to Christ. You are free. So live as a free person. We've been designed to live in light. We weren't, we weren't designed to live in darkness. It says in John chapter 12, Jesus actually says this. Fill in the blank for me, will you? Jesus says, I have come into the world as a, as a light. Matthew chapter 5, Jesus said to his disciples, he says, you are the what? The light of the world. Jesus says, I'm going to shine through you. I'm going to shine on you. That's what you were designed to do. 
live in the light. Because people watch you. People watch your integrity. And when I live in the light, and when I live like a live person, not this dead person, living with, with all these secrets and hiding and pretending like I have integrity, but when I let Christ rule in my life, they get to see him. It's not glory to me. It's not, yay, Andy. It's, it's glory to God. It's him getting all the props through my life. Integrity. Integrity is deciding to integrate Christ's heart's value into my daily actions. And that's actually what I would just want to leave you with. I think that as far as I can tell, that integrity is not something I've got to get together and figure out how to do. I think integrity is something that I have to make a choice to do and then learn as God teaches me. It's, it's really agreeing that, that I have Christ's values and I take Christ's values and I adopt them into my daily actions. I agree I choose to do it. See, I don't think people just kind of slip into integrity. Like, oh, oh, I just fell into integrity. See, I don't, I don't think it's a mistake. I think it's agreeing with God's values in my life. And practice over time, daily commitment to live in Christ's life. And I'm telling you, it's hard. It's hard to live a life of integrity. It gets tiring. At times, I feel, I feel weak. Do you feel weak living in? in it's so much easier to, to feel wobbly and just do, what, do whatever. Who cares? I get tempted to do that. You get tempted to do that. But every day, agreeing <laughs> that I'm not in control, agreeing that I don't have to muster up integrity, I just have to agree that Christ is going to shine in my life. God, shine in my life. I'm going to have the discussion with you. I'm going to tell you where I need strength right now. I'm going to tell you where I need help. I'm going to tell you where I'm tempted right now. I'm going to have the conversation with you as if you don't already know, but I'm going to agree with you. And I'm guessing that, that maybe that's where you're at today. I, I don't know, but I'm guessing that there's probably a compartment in your life that, that you're going to need to wrestle through as you walk out of here or even as we go into a, a time of, of just singing to God. Because maybe there's a topic in your life where you feel like maybe you're fooling a lot of people. I've got to tell you, you're not fooling God, though. Maybe there's a topic in your life where you feel like, man, if, if people actually knew the truth, like if, if my spouse knew or my husband or wife, whatever it is, if they knew about it, like I would have a breach of integrity. If, if, if that's something in your life, then I gotta tell you, you have got to have that conversation with God. Because the grace, the grace is free. The grace is coming to him. And just saying, just saying God, would you, would you show your life light into my life? Would your character become my you, you, my character become your character. And his, his promise is this, and I've got to end, 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, that if we would have that conversation, God's divine power gives us everything we need for life and godliness. And this power was given to us through knowing Jesus who called us by his own glory and integrity. That's a great promise that I don't have to figure it out. I don't have to muster it up. I don't have to know where the strength is coming from to, to take the high road. I've just got to go seek it out from God. He says, I'll, I'll give you every ounce of power that you need to live with integrity. And as we go into this uh, time of worship and the band is going to lead us in, I want to invite you right now to have that conversation with God. 
And that just may scare you to death. You may not have had this conversation about this particular topic, about this particular compartment that's hiding way back in the ship. Maybe you and God have never talked about that. I'd like to challenge you to take one step and acknowledge with God that it's there and ask him, ask him to help you take the high road. I promise you, his, his scripture is true. And it starts by saying, Jesus, I, that's it, I give up. I'm not going to live with one foot in light and one foot in darkness. Come in, come in to my compartments. Come into my integrity. Build my character. Clean house if you have to. Take out the garbage. Would you start over with my life? Would you make me look like you? It's free. It's available. He says, today, now, it's yours. During this song, uh, our greeters are going to kind of come up and they're going to give you this playing card. And I, I want to invite you to take this card and throw it in your wallet, put it in your purse, clip it on your mirror, whatever, the visor of your car. And this is your wild card. Because <laughs> this week, your, your integrity is going to be challenged. It might be really small. It might just start as a small little drip. It might be big. But I want to encourage you to take the wild card and claim the promise on it, to live in integrity. Philippians 4.8, whatever's true, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable. If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. God, right now, would you help me to think about such things? May my heart reflect your heart. Have that conversation right now as the greeters come up.